All right, everybody, welcome to today's Seven Figures Club podcast episode. We have an amazing guest today. We have Jack Bosch, managing partner of Orbit Investments, LLC. Now, Jack has an amazing story, but uh, he has vast experience in real estate, having negotiated, bought, sold, and rehab, as well as owned and managed over 3,800 properties. That's an enormous amount of property. I know we've got uh, some listeners here that are starting to build a small real estate empire and maybe several listeners on here who have not yet started, but you're looking for a place to start and you're looking for a mentor and an education program. And later on, Jack's gonna tell us about how you can obtain that type of help. But most importantly, he actually holds a large portfolio of properties in land in single family homes and commercial and large multifamily properties. So he has a a very wide experience of different properties. So he'll be able to give you guys insights into single families, into land, into multifamily. And not only that, uh, he also, you know, completed uh, an MBA degree and he built the third largest land auction company. And guys, I don't know if you've heard, but they aren't making any more land anymore. So the sooner you can get involved with land deals, the better off you're going to be. He's also uh, a successful seven-figure real estate education uh, company founder. He's taught many investors how to make their first uh, investment dollars and build their empire in real estate. And he's also a best-selling author. Jack, welcome to the show. There are over 32 million businesses in the U.S. and over 90% of them will never break seven figures in annual sales. So how do we as entrepreneurs or aspiring entrepreneurs break into that seven figures club? This podcast will relentlessly share the secrets, strategies, and tactics I've used to create three multi-seven figures businesses and bring in even more successful entrepreneurs than me to share their inspirational stories and tactics to success. You can create your dream business in life right now. So buckle up and let's go. Well, thank you very much. I was like, I didn't even know I did all these things so far. I mean, of course I do, but uh, I, I, that sounds like a lot. But but thank you very much for this wonderful introduction. Um, like, it sounds much more as what what, what we've probably done. We we try to be just we're just normal people that tries to tackle one project after the other. Amen. Well, Jack, starting at the very beginning. You know, what, what is your background like and your history? And when you grow up, did you know that you were going to become an entrepreneur? What was Jack like growing up as a kid? Oh, boy. Did I know that? Absolutely not. Um, Jack grew up as a kid in Germany, first of all, as you had mentioned, um, uh, growing up in Germany in a small, small town, 10,000 people uh, right next to Europe's uh, one of Europe's third or fourth largest lake called uh, Lake of Constance in English on the border to Switzerland, um, like literally an hour and a half away from France, uh, 45 minutes away from Austria, um, four hours by, by car from Italy. So it's this beautiful uh, rolling hills, green, green wine country, lakes, thing area. We basically went to school, spent the summer at the lake, uh, horsed around. Um, and but with anything, I would probably say I was mediocre in school. I was uh, I was not bad, but mediocre. I didn't apply myself very much. 
I had lots of fun. I was also a bookworm. I read a lot. Uh, still to this day, I love reading. And uh, so after graduation, uh, I went to German military service, which was obligatory. I played music. I played the clarinet all my life. I played in the marching band for a year. Uh, did my obligatory year of basically playing the clarinet. Then went out, uh, went to college, went to university. And then somewhere in my, the plan of my life was like, the typical get a good education, get a good job. And in my case, since I went to business school, like to get a business degree, I wanted to work at like a consulting company or something like that and and be, be able to travel throughout Europe, work at the fancy companies and, and have an expense account and all this kind of things. Well, life became, life life turned out to be quite different. I never had any intention of being an entrepreneur. Nobody in my family is an entrepreneur. I got one distant uncle, or like I think it's my brother's godfather, so it's not so distant, uh, who is an entrepreneur, but he works like in manufacturing, so it's really kind of dirty and, and lots of stuff lying around, and I was like never, never was attracted to any of that. I didn't understand it. I didn't want to do anything in that direction. So, so now I always wanted to go that career path of like work hard, put, make good money, go up the career ladder, and um and I was not afraid of hard work, let's put it that way, but uh, no entrepreneur, never. Um, yeah, so I came to the United States by coincidence, kind of, because I wanted, in order to get to that, to have my resume look perfect for these consulting companies, I figured an American MBA would help. So I had an exchange program with a college I went to in Germany that would allow me to get credit in Germany for the last few classes I needed to take, would allow me to get an American MBA, and improve my English. So it's like three birds in one, uh, one in one hand, like at once. I like I'll do that, right? So I put my my student furniture into my parents' basement. Said, "See you in a year." Well, 24 years later, I'm still here. Right? I'm still here. I'm American citizen now. I'm married. Have a beautiful 13 and very smart 13 year old daughter. My wife and I co-owned our business, co-run our business. She's the she's the CEO. I'm the COO. Uh, she 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 drives a lot of parts of the business. I drive other parts of the businesses, and uh, and together we have now actually flipped over four thousand pieces of land, own seven hundred apartment apartment units, own commercial property, and have built up and teach teach all over the country and all over the world how to do our our real estate investing, particularly the land flipping that we do. Wow, what an amazing story, Jack. So you came here to the US to knock out those three birds, get that education, you know, learn English and, and all those things. And you were planning on going back. What was it that uh, initially led to you staying here? Well, it's that love, right? So I met three weeks in, I met this wonderful young lady who is an immigrant herself from Honduras, Central America. Her name is Michelle. And, uh, and she took me like a long time to chase her. Like it took me like to pursue her like six, seven months before she finally like, like gave in and went on a date and so on. And, and, uh, and then when we're like nine months, nine, 10 months into it, we're like, well, what are we going to do? She was graduating. I was graduating. We're going to fall in love. It's like, well, we, when you work, when you go to college in the U S for a year, you got a one year work permit. So it's like, we got a one year work permit. We might as well try this thing out. Right. An extra year work experience is not going to harm me. Worst case scenario in my mind is like, if it doesn't work out, I get an extra year of work experience here. I mean, more desirable over in Germany by the, by, the, by the workforce over there. So let's try it out. And well, it worked out. 
that job gave us uh, gave us a green card. Like two two years later, we got married. Three years after that, we got the green card. So we did we did both get a job um, I, in a soft in a consulting company, but a software consulting company, which is not my cup of tea. So I felt like imposter syndrome all through the five years. Like I had to pretend. Well, I felt like I was pretending I knew what I was talking about because I didn't go into school for software. I went to school for business, right? And uh, but it did what it needed to do. We worked 80 hours a week, worked her weekends, day and night. She got a job in finance, year end, uh, month end financing and accounting and finance. So we we often work night, days and night, weekends, whatever it took. But it got us the green card. It got us the permanent residency, and it also made us realize that having a job is not all what it's promised to be. It's like it's like. Two or three years into this grueling, grueling rut of, of 100% travel, getting up at five in the morning on, on Monday, going down to the airport, taking a seven o'clock flight, flying at one or two hours, being at 10 o'clock in the, in the office or nine o'clock in the office, working till 10 p.m., repeating that every single day while staying in a hotel then until Friday night, coming back home, being dead tired, doing that week after week after week after week with two weeks vacation, and not even really, really good pay. And, and do this for two, three years, we were, we were wiped out and we realized. And then I was working with colleagues who had been doing this for 15 or 20 years, who had teenage kids that would not even know their parents, not know their dad. Their dad would come home Friday night completely destroyed. Saturday would go with the kids to a soccer game or something like that or a baseball game. Sunday, they would go have a family dinner, perhaps play. And then on Monday, he would jump on a plane and do it again. I was like, this is not going to be my life. And I made it very, very, it was very, very clear. So really what drove us, but, that, but that's a blessing in disguise because that pain and that, and that uh, stress and that being worn out and so on led us to realize that the job is really a typically uh, it, it's like the wrong path so we we looked at it and we're like this is not going to be our future what else do we do it woke up the entrepreneurial spirit in us because it's just like if this is how it is to have a job i don't want to have any part of that beyond what i need to do in order right now to get the green card so we started part-time trying to figure things out it took us a couple of years we figured out land flipping and then when the green card hit we were just within a few months after the green card hit, we were able to quit. We were able to go full time. And now we take an average of three months a year off and travel around the world. Even during COVID, we were able to go to Bora Bora. We were able to go to California, to, U to Utah skiing. We went, we went all around the country responsibly, right? But, um, but, uh, but still, like in Bora Bora, it was pretty safe. They were the only guests there. So there's no risk for COVID if there's like 12, 10 other guests in a resort that usually sit, uh, there's usually, we're usually 300 fit in and so on. So we, we still continue to travel. We still have time. We, we, we spend time with our daughter now and we created the life of our dream now. Unbelievable. So you're working those 80 hour weeks, both you and your wife, you're exhausted. You never see each other. You're on planes going across the country and you're thinking there's got to be more. There's got to be a better life. And so how do you get in to real estate? How do you go from being, you know, a software consultant that you don't love, but you're, that's what you're doing, right? You've got this uh, MBA in business, but the, what, what's the, what information or education did you have about real estate? And, and what was your first deal that you got into? 
So we had absolutely zero education about real estate. Again, my dad's a high school teacher. Uh, they bought their house at some point of time in the late 1970s uh, when I was like about nine years old. They lived in that house until about five years ago when they sold it and bought a condo instead uh, that with an elevator and so on. And uh, I guess it was a two-story home that they didn't want to go up and down anymore. And they... Um, and, and so there's no education from that side. Nobody, again, in my family is, is in there. However, my wife's family, her dad passed away when she and I was nine months old. Right? Wow. She, she had no experience in that either. Uh, but her dad, um, who was an attorney in Honduras, had just, I don't know if he knew what's going, what's going to happen or not, or that he was ill or so on. But just a couple of years before he passed, he actually sold some assets that he had and he bought one piece of cash flow real estate, a commercial piece of real estate. And when he passed away, he that fell in, that that was inherited to to, to my wife. It was kept in the trust, and uh, and that piece of real estate ended up paying for her private school education. Ended up paying for her being able to go to an American college. Now it didn't wasn't wasn't like a big piece of real estate. Didn't bring in tons of money, but enough that in a country like Honduras. We're on $1,500, you can live really, really well. It was able to put enough money aside that over there, when she was 18, she was able to afford uh, college, uh, college over there. And, uh, and, and, and that was a sign because when we talked about what should we do, she was mm. like talking about that. She's like, well, I don't know, really, I don't know anything about it, but I know that this piece of real estate got me through school, got me through college. And now that my mom is retired, supplements uh, supplements her mom's salary which as a as a single as a single earner former her mom was a was a was, was a retired elementary school teacher in Honduras you get a pension of like four hundred dollars a month you you can't even in Honduras you can't live on that but uh, but thanks to that commercial piece of real estate her mom now has a dignified retirement nothing crazy but a dignified retirement so 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 we we had an example in the in the life of my wife of how real estate had helped her uh, had helped her in her life. So we knew that real estate was powerful. So one night, but well, we looked at all kinds of things. We thought about um, uh, we thought about opening a bakery, but we were traveling. We couldn't. Plus, I'm not a morning person, right? Uh, so I don't want to bake or I don't want to get up at two in the morning. We 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 looked at all kinds of different business opportunities. And one night we saw an infomercial. I don't remember who it was from or what, but we saw an infomercial television about real estate, and we're like, started talking about real estate, and 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 she's like, yeah, that's what did it for me. And it's like, okay, well, let's look into that deeper. And that was the beginning, but the beginning of a bunch of failures, because again, we we got the house under contract and of triplex, and it needed a lot of repairs. But we didn't have any experience, any knowledge. We didn't know how much does it cost to upgrade wiring? How much does it cost to upgrade electric wiring? I mean, to, to, to replace the roof, to upgrade the kitchen, to, to, to fix the foundation repair. And, and this house needed, this triplex needed all of it. So, so we did everything wrong. Luckily, we're able to back out of the deal because, uh, but because we put it, we put it on the contract, put it on the market. We got a bunch of people interested. Nobody wanted to buy it. And everyone told us, this is a horrible deal. This deal, like, uh, and then, so we, we backed out. And then we looked around at different options. And ultimately, we came across um, owners that hadn't paid their property taxes, like tax liens and tax deeds and things like that. 
And we're like, well, that's interesting. Why wouldn't they pay the property taxes? That's like a concept that's inconceivable to Europeans that they don't do that. Uh, and because the processes are very different. And then we're like, well, what if we what if we go contact them? So we contacted them with a letter, and everyone that responded back owned land. It was like, what do we do now? It was like, we're like, well, let's be careful because we don't know anything about land. So let's take this $8,000 property and offer them 400 bucks, right? Let's see what he does. And they accepted it. So we went up to the property, put a sign in front of the property, and the neighbor comes over and says, like, what are you doing? It's like, well, we're selling this property. He's like, well, man, I always wanted to buy it. He's like, well, how much do you offer? And he said, like, $4,000 right there on the spot. And we didn't even negotiate. We just accepted it. And while this is only a $3,600 profit, it's 10 times the money we invested in the deal. Right? It's a it's a 900 or 1,000% return. We're like, uh, that makes sense. And that was easy. We didn't have to estimate any repairs. We didn't have to, have to get any contractors. Heck, we didn't even have to see the property. We could have just sent somebody up there, put a sign on the property. And, and then we did two weeks later, we did another deal and we made $10,000. And then we did another deal and another deal and another deal. And soon enough, we're like, stop looking at these properties. We did it. We started doing this all virtual. And now for our well over like, I think, 15 years, we haven't seen a single property anymore that we have put on a contract that we bought and that we sold. Wow, that's unbelievable, Jack. So you, you started out, you go in person, and that first big deal is a land deal. And so you started working uh, in the tax lien situation for a lot of the listeners that don't don't know, like, yeah, there's people that legitimately don't pay their property taxes and those properties can go up to auction and the highest bidder can take them. And then there's, you know, different things where they can get them back and, and whatnot. But what was cool is you just made an offer, got that taken care of, took over the property. And then what, a, the same day or a day later, now the, the guy next door is like, I've always wanted to buy that land. Right. And then you had a... You had an amazing cash on cash profit where four hundred dollars becomes four thousand dollars in like a day. That's that's a pretty good return on investment there, Jack. So then you started to do more land deals, or did you start to branch out into different uh, properties? What was that process like? Well, no. For the next six years, we literally put our head down, put the blinders on, and it's like, why even deal with the complication of houses? Why even having to deal with tenants, toilets, termites? Right, with repairs, with inspectors, with mortgages, with financing, with, uh, with the roof repairs, with foundation repairs, with mold, with termites, uh, uh, termites already mentioned that, with electric repairs, with, uh, with, 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 with people who don't want to move out, with squatters, with like, you name it. Why even have to deal with all of that if we can make the exact same profits with just focusing on land with a simple process that's like, has like only five, six steps, and, uh, and so we just focused on that. We started hiring our first person. So the first year we did 63 deals alone, Michelle and I, while still having a job until October. So the second day, and that's that same job where we worked our butts off, right? Michelle actually quit hers first. Right? Um, and then a few months later, I quit mine once we had the green card. Um, and, then, and then we, and then we did, uh, just three or four months later, we hired our first assistant to help us with some of the things. And then we did 150 deals next year, and we did, uh, and, and literally within 18 months went from zero to a million dollars. And then at that point, we're like, why even? We still remember, we still didn't know anything about houses. We still didn't know how to repair a kitchen, how to estimate the repair of that, 
how much it could, where to even get kitchen cabinets, where to, I mean, other than Home Depot, but um, where, where to, we knew nothing about houses. It was like, forget that. We don't need to learn anything about houses. We can just do this. When, when you get, when you get a prop piece of land for 10 cents on a dollar, you don't need to know much about real estate. You can literally, if you mark that thing up to 40, 50% of market value, basically half price, you still make five, four to five times your money on the deal. And you don't have to ever learn anything about, about what doors cost and what the cost of lumber is and things like that. Right now, the cost of lumber, timber and lumber is going up to the roof, apparently. I don't care on my, on my land. I don't care because I don't have to deal with lumber, right? We're just, and, and so what we've developed is we developed a method where we can find and identify the people that do not, absolutely do not want their properties anymore. Not those who are motivated sellers. A motivated seller is somebody who gives you the property for 60, 70% of market value. What we're looking for and what we, what we optimized and what we perfected is how to find what we call the non-wanters. Now, non-wanter is like as a garage sale mentality. They sell a $1,000 bike for 100 bucks because they want their garage to be empty. That's the same thing. It might be somebody who has a family trust and asks the kids, hey, kids, do you want this property here? It's like, Dad, no, you bought this 30 years ago. We don't want this. It was like, okay, I got an offer here from somebody. It's not a high offer, but if you don't want it, I don't want to go through that. Let's just sell it. Or somebody that has inherited the property who just doesn't care about it. Now, our properties are not tax delinquent usually anymore. Tax delinquent. That's how we started, but now 95% are not tax delinquent. Um, they're not, they don't have a mortgage on them. They're free and clear properties that just the owners no longer want. So we figured out how to find them. We specialize on three kinds of properties, right? And then that have a built that where we know there's lots and lots of millions of buyers already waiting in the wings to buy those properties. And then we turn around and we have a very simple process for selling them uh, through social media, through websites that anyone can access. Most of them are even free. And that's a process that allows you and anyone else, uh, us and everyone else, to actually sell these properties comfortable, virtual, from home, from the comfort of your home, really from anywhere in the world. Like uh, I'm, I'm, uh, we have students right now in Germany that are doing it, doing a deal that's going to make them um, twenty thousand dollars this week while they're in Germany. And they cannot even come to the U.S. yet due to COVID. Oh, so they're in Germany and it's a U.S. deal that they're doing. Yes, it says all the deals we do are U.S. deals very yeah. simply for the reason that, uh, that the U.S. has the, the laxest, the most lax privacy rules in the world. Like all the information about all this property information is public record. So who owns the property? Where is the property? Uh, where's the property? Well, how big is the property? Who owns the property? Where does the person that owns the property live? Uh, their mailing address. What did they pay for the property? When did they buy the property? Uh, aerial pictures. Everything is 100% at your fingertips for free available in 99% of the entire United States. As a result, you don't like that is not the case in Canada, Mexico or God forbid Germany, where there's like extreme privacy laws. So if you want to do this in Germany, it's almost impossible to get a hold of the owner of that property. I mean, you can't drop a piece of mail on the land, right? You, if it would be a house, you can drop a piece of mail in their mailbox. But on a piece of land, what are you going to do? Drop a letter or a postcard on the grass? It's not, it doesn't work, right? The next wind and the next rain takes it away. But in the U.S., 
all the information about who owns the property and where they live is public information. Plus, the U.S. is so big that we have people, lots of people that live on one side of the U.S., but own land on the other side of the U.S., and they're never going to go there. Right? They're never going to go there. They owned it 30 years ago, 40 years ago, they bought it. They inherited it from their parents. They live in, in, I don't know, they live in San Francisco or they live in L.A., living La Vida Loca. The property is in, is in I don't know, in, in, in Kansas or in Texas or in, in, I don't know, in North Carolina. And, and, and they, don't, they don't have an interest in going there. They don't care. Plus, plus property taxes, if you hold uh, pro- properties, pieces of land, when you hold on to them, actually come with property taxes. So they're like inherited something now. It's about a third of our deals are inheritance deals. They now bought these properties or they got this property from their parents. And they're like, all of a sudden they get a tax bill. They're like, I don't want to pay. Heirs don't want land. Heirs want money, right? They want Mm -hmm. cash. So so they're like, "Uh, I got this thing inherited. Now I have to pay for it? I don't want to do that. Well, guess what? We send them a friendly letter. They get that letter. It's like, oh, yeah, you're offering me money? Yeah, yeah, here, sure, whatever. And they're literally giving us these properties for five, for anywhere between five and 35 cents on the dollar. So we're getting these properties at huge discounts, which allows us to then turn around, not even marking up to, mar- to market value, but sell them at 50, 60, 70 cents on the dollar and still make tremendous profits in the, in the middle. Wow, Jack. Well, you just blew my mind. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna be reaching out to you here at the end of this podcast. <laughs> sure. I mean, so, I did, the other day, I did a podcast with a uh, with a gentleman that uh, that is in the insurance business, and he's like, "That just sounds so amazing. I need to do that." So he put one of his team members uh, had him have him engage with us, uh, bring in bring him in, and bother our coaching. And that was like three months ago, and they have already eight deals on a contract that uh, now they're marketing and I think two are selling in the next week and, and uh, getting them a, a pretty much a full ROI in the, next, in the first three to four months of being in our program. It's, it's, it's pretty crazy because that's the last thing I actually want to say. The best part of a land flipping, you asked, why didn't we do any houses? Because there's so much competition in the housing world. There's nobody in the land space. We have been screaming it off the, from the rooftops for the last 12 years, and there's still no competition in the land space. Because think about it. How many house flippers do you know? Tons. I've had, I've had a lot on the podcast. We know a lot of house flippers. Right. How many land flippers do you know? You know, I think you might be the first. There we go. Right? And wherever you go, you go to a local real estate investor association, there's 200 people. You're going to be the only land flipper in that room. And that's about the ratio of competition. That means, but there's more land out there than there's houses. So you can you can cherry pick what you want. You can be often the only game in town. And so why would we abandon something? Now, we have added. So, so the next strategy, though, the, the next question I have, Jack, is, okay, I'm listening to this. This sounds unbelievable. But how am I going to get the money to actually pay for the land? Right. So that, that's the other thing. And, and what I also wanted to say to your question before is like, now, since then, we have added houses. We have added okay. apartment complex. We have added things. But what we do now is we use our land flipping as our cash machine. We produce the cash over here and the cash flow. And then we roll it over and buy improved properties with it, but for buy and hold and yes. for cash flow, for generational wealth and cash flow. 
because flipping is an active income generating strategy, right? If you stop flipping, the income stops, right? But that's why we take the money and move it over there. So we have built up a second leg to stand on and the third and the fourth and the fifth leg to stand on. But but the cash still comes from over here. So now to answer your question, though, uh, where do people get the, the, the money to flip the land? Well, you really, first of all, you don't really need a whole lot for the deals because most of our deals you purchase, if you purchase them, you purchase them between a thousand and like $20,000. So it's not like you need to get a million dollar loan. But most importantly, probably 95% of our students, they actually use techniques that are called uh, wholesaling. So they use the traditional classic wholesaling techniques, which is number one, uh, they take a property and they uh, they put it under contract and then they go and find a buyer. They find a buyer. And then once the buyer is put together, they use, they use what we call double closing. So once they have the buyer lined up, uh, they actually give both. They have a contract with the seller. They have a contract with the buyer. They put both contracts into escrow and then they use the buyer's money to pay everyone involved. So in other words, through a double closing, assignments, transactional funding, uh, short-term loans, and things like that, you can uh, you can do deals. You don't even need money. You just need maybe an earnest money to get it under contract, and and then the Typically, assignment. You don't everything. put on any earnest money because again, we deal. Oh, with, really? Uh, we deal with uh, we have a very short contract that actually has it has it doesn't even have a provision for earnest money. Like in the four thousand wow. deals that we have done, I think we have once put down earnest money because the buyer, the seller really insisted on it. And then we made it a hundred dollars. Unbelievable. So Jack, I'll just ask what everybody who's listening right now wants to know, uh, you know, how can we, uh, get, how can we learn how to do this? How, how can we get in your programs, Jack? So there's, there's two ways really that you can learn about it. First of all, we have a, uh, we have a, there's a website that you can go on and watch some videos and so on. And, and in order to go there, you can go to land profit fun, La fun, like having fun, F U N. If you go to land profit fun, you go over there and you can uh, watch some videos. Another thing is like every once in a while, we're doing what's called a, what we're calling a five to seven day master free masterclass. It's 100% free, and over a course of five to seven days, we walk you through all the different steps, give you action steps, tell you where you find these uh, these people, how to select a good area for it, how to get the, the, the list that we send out, how to send out these letters, how to value the properties, how to make offers, how to create listings. We literally walk you through the entire process for that, and you can register for that under Land Profit Master. Dot com landprofitmaster.com we have one starting pretty much right away probably by the time this is broadcast that you'll we're right in the middle of one but go there because even if you uh if, if you get into the tail end uh you will, will will or if you if you miss it we'll let you know when the next one is so either landprofitfun like havingfun.com landprofitfun.com or landprofitmaster.com both places get you to 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 us uh where you can find out a ton more Unbelievable. Let me just uh, say that for everyone. That's landprofitfun.com. Uh, F-U-N, right? Right. Yep. And then, uh, and then what was the other one? It was landprofitmaster.com, right. right? Got it. All right. And then it looks like there's some free workshops there for you guys to check out. And then you become a master at uh, land flipping. 
And and Jack, even in the last uh, couple of years, as real estate uh, has really started to heat up, uh, you still see a, a big gap. There's not a lot of competition here. Is that oh, right? Yeah, 100%. I mean, there's almost no competition in most markets of the United States. And the profits have just exploded. As a matter of fact, we have had the, some of the best years in the last two, three years. Our students have had, I mean, like there's, there's, we have a couple of students right now. This is not the norm. I don't want to claim this is the norm, but we had sure. a couple of students right now that, that are literally on track to make a million dollars in profit in their first year doing this, following our steps. Now, we have dozens and hundreds that are making in the six figures a year. And still it is, I mean, comparable, like the market I live in, Phoenix, Arizona, there's probably in Arizona, there's probably three to 5,000 full-time house flippers. There's probably 20 full-time land flippers over here. That's the ratio of competition that you see here. It's basically, it's almost like for every, for every 200 land flipper, house flippers, there might be one land flipper, if mm -hmm. that. And that's not going to change anytime soon. Right? Not going to change anytime soon. And again, the market is on fire. Builders are looking for land. People want to have land to, there's a new habit in the world that of COVID that people don't want to travel internationally that much. So they want to have their own 10 acres outside of town that they can bring their RVs on. They can have fun. Like uh, there's people want to move with due to COVID. Uh, it allows people to live outside of town or in the, more in the, in the outskirts, perhaps. And, and the three pieces of land that we focus on is number one, infill lots, which are on fire. Builders want them. Number two is the properties in the path of growth where the city grows, which is great right now because the like people can live there. And as long as there's Internet access, they can work anywhere now because the remote work learning has become the new norm. Right. And then and then number three um, all if somebody wants to let many people want their own mini ranch, want their own recreational space, 10 acres, 20 acres, right, where they can go and, and horse around and put the cabin up there and, and so on. And these properties are the ones we're focusing on. They have these three. They have huge amounts of builders of, of, of buyers built in. And, and COVID has only accelerated that market for us and accelerated demand and prices and, and profits. And it's really off the chains, the market right now. Wow. Unbelievable, guys. So landprofitmaster.com, landprofitfun.com. And, uh, and so how does it work? There's uh, some education programs. Is there any uh, mentoring? Are there any uh, live classes? How can everybody, uh, you know, go through uh, your programs? Yeah, so we have mentoring, we have coaching, we have a couple of options there. We have a software, we have a home study course, we have uh, different, uh, different, different levels of program. Obviously, the, the, those who are most successful with us are the ones that go into our, that take our one-year coaching program. It's not a six-week coaching program. We are committed. We're obsessed as a company for, uh, over the success of our students. So that's why we designed a 12-month coaching program that has a six-week uh, like quick start intensive where you get all taught all the pieces you need to know over the first six weeks. And then you have an accountability coach that is with you, accountability partner that is with you for the entire year. You have one-on-one -on -one coaching sessions with master coaches that that do anywhere between 30 and 150 deals a year uh you have we have da daily group coaching sessions that are happening also hosted by our master coaches sometimes hosted by me uh, literally daily group coaching session not just one a week we have archives we have uh we have guides we have interventions we have i mean we go all crazy in our students in order to make sure we really looked at 
We looked at the, the path our students are doing. We've looked at other programs. We have gone through programs, right? We are a big, avid consumer of coaching ourselves. Like we're in multiple coaching programs right now. And when we looked at the coaching programs that were crappy and the coaching programs that were good, we still looked at them and it's just like, where could somebody possibly fail? And we've taken our coaching program and we've really made sure that at every possible step where somebody could fail, we have something that makes sure that that person takes the next step and goes to the next area and goes to the next thing, which is uh, obviously very labor intensive on our end, but it's the right thing to do because coaching is not just some taking somebody's money and then letting them, giving them a call once a week, like most coaching programs are. Coaching program is a responsibility on our end to make sure that we deliver for our students. Obviously, the student has to do the work, but we need to be there when the student has a question, when the student runs into a hurdle, when the student has a motivational dip, we need to be there to take them over that hurdle and get them to the next spot. And that's what we have designed. And that's why we have such a industry, by far industry leading success rate in our program. And uh, and that's why we get so raving, raving reviews and and we have, we have just our students are just crushing it out there. Amen. Well, guys, check it out. It's uh, landprofitmaster.com and landprofitfund.com. And there, it sounds like Jack and, and Michelle have built out a solution for everybody based on where you're at and the level. But the thing I like about the program that Jack's explaining here is your risk is lower. It's much less capital intensive. And there's, there's less pain. Because let's be honest, you know, some of us, a lot of us listening here, we've owned multifamilies. We've we've had to rent those out. I'm looking at my partner here right across the room. His hands are all beat up from fixing some sprinklers and stuff with this rental property. And he's sitting down. He's like, oh, there's got to be a better way, right? And right. this this is the better way. Right. Yeah, I haven't touched. I mean, we even, let's put it that way. In order to get somebody, when we get a new when we like when we moved into a new house a couple of years ago, brought our paint pictures and paintings with us. We had to hire somebody to put them up because if I put them up, there's at the end of the day there's 18 holes and the painting hangs like this. Right? I'm just not not made for that. Right? My hands are soft. I don't ever hold a hammer or something like that. But I can do real estate because I can flip land from the comfort of my home by sitting on a computer, basically. Unbelievable. Well, awesome stuff, Jack. Thank you so much for being a guest on the show today. I know I learned a lot, and I'm guessing our listeners have learned a substantial amount too. Jack Bosch, an amazing story of entrepreneurship. And I just want to know that uh, if we all kind of had that immigrant mentality when you come to the U.S. and you realize the opportunity that is here in this country, we all could be you know, taking advantage yeah. of our opportunities the way Jack and Michelle have, both immigrants, both entrepreneurs, and they also both broke out of the rat race. So a lot that you can learn from this episode. But the most important thing is you guys take action. So take action, move forward, and learn and follow a mentor like Jack. Are you looking for more seven-figure secrets, content, or even how you can launch your own recession-proof business? Then check out sevenfigures.com. That's the digit seven, F-I-G-U-R-E-S.com, where we share more videos, stories, strategies, funding solutions, entrepreneurial education, and even the secret business type that's recession-proof. Thank you for listening, and if you're finding value in our podcast, please give us a five-star and invite others to join the club.